Welcome to My Journey of Faith, hosted by Cynthia McCutcheon, wife, mother, Bible teacher, and speaker. A gathering place for Christian women to proclaim the love of Christ by sharing compelling life stories to encourage, inspire, and equip women on their personal journeys of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us on this journey. Here's your host, Cynthia McCutcheon. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you to My Journey of Faith Radio. Today, I have with me Carissa Hardid. She is the editor of My Journey of Faith magazine. She's a former, former counselor and marriage and family therapist that is currently working on her master certification for biblical and theological studies. But her favorite part is being a stay-at-home mom to three wonderful children that she and her husband of 13 years um, are raising. And she is just in love with God and loves to share with people who he is and who how to make him famous. So, hi, Carissa. How are you? Hi, Cynthia. I'm doing so good. So I'm good. so glad. I'm in finals week. So I'm a little more anxious than usual. <laughs> <laughs> wow, finals week and then Christmas coming right yeah. upon us. What a half, what a what a, tr- a crazy time of year. Yeah, I'm getting too old for this, I feel like. <laughs> like I need to not I need to just be doing the Christmas thing and not the school thing, but it's been an amazing blessing to be at Dallas Theological. Um, over these past few years. So. Oh, I can imagine. I, I can. I tell you, um, going through finals is, is crazy enough, but having Christmas right here at it, some, sometimes you got to pull back and you've got to uh, find ways to uh, enjoy the time and still complete your task. And through that, it's good to have some favorites and some traditions along the way. So that's what I want to talk about today, our Christmas theme of favorites and traditions. So let's let's mm-hmm. just kind of see what Carissa and her family do. Well, I tell you, I did not, my mom always worked really hard to make Christmas the best that she could growing up, but she was a single mother for a large, large portion of my life. And so, of course, we didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot of money. And so I loved Christmas with my family, but I hated Christmas when I would go back to school. I remember just dreading it because I couldn't afford all the... It it just became such a thing about presents, you know, and I couldn't afford them. We couldn't get a million presents and everything we wanted and all the neighboring stuff and... So I remember dreading going back to school because everybody would be going through, they'd all be wearing their new outfits and their clothes or have their new toys and like tell us all about all the many, many, many things that they got for Christmas. And so for me, it kind of became a time of envy and um, I lost, I kind of lost the, the joy of it. And, um, and, you know, I think for a lot of us, this time of year tends to kind of be melancholy anyway. Um, I think for some reason the commercialism kind of already sets us up to feel like failures a little bit. Mm. And um, I didn't want to do that. Um, I remember 
Matt and I, you know, we've been together for a long time and um, we always just enjoyed each other at Christmas time. And when we had our oldest, Ella, who is nine now, um, I remember that first Christmas, I lived vicariously through that girl. Like, I was like, I'm going to get you everything I never got for Christmas (laughs) that I always wanted. And so this poor one-year-old baby has got, like, 30 presents under the tree. She doesn't even know half of them are. Then she goes to her, you know, grandma and grandpa's house and her mommy and papa's house. And more and more and more and more and more. And um, I remember after Christmas, Matt and I were sitting down, and um, we just felt overwhelmed and a little irritated at the mass of just stuff that we had, we had no place to put it, and she didn't even know what it was, and um, it just was a little bit frustrating for us, and all of it was completely overshadowing the simplicity and the beauty of what Christmas is all about, so um, I love reading blogs, obviously, Um, as a magazine editor, I've always had a passion for writing and reading blogs, and I read a blog of a dear friend of mine who had um, invoked the three-gift rule when her children were born. Okay, and wait. What's the three-gift rule? The three-gift rule. Okay, so the three-gift rule, it sounds mean. <laughs> when I first read it, I was just thinking, oh, no, what if they don't, you know, get what they want? Or I didn't want them to feel the same way I felt, you know, growing right. up. Um, and go back to school and be discouraged. But she had to have this rule in place for quite a few years. Her, her girls were they're about six and seven at the point where she was writing about this. And basically, she came at it early on from the point of view that, you know, this is about Christ. And Christ get, was given these three gifts that were mentioned in the Bible, and we know he was probably given more, but the Bible mentions these three specific gifts. And if he can have these three specific gifts that are called to our attention, then why do we need, you know, to make a point to go over and above and have all these massive amounts of things? And I just, I love that idea. And so... From that point on, when my daughter was two, from that point on, we have followed the three gift rule, and it's been amazing. Well, how do you, how did you determine what three gifts? Well, um, what we decide is, and I, it's hard for me to write. When I write about this, I always say, you know, I'm not a Christmas Grinch. So we try to keep the magic in Christmas. We still have Santa Claus and all these things. But um, we just want to keep it simple and Christ-centered. And so the first thing we've done is we begin by explaining as we're, you know, we always do a um, calendar, an advent calendar, and we read the stories leading up to Christmas. And so we always stop at the wise men, the magi, and talk about the three gifts. And we talk about, you know, what they meant and what they were and how precious and beautiful these gifts actually were. I don't know if a lot of people know that the Magi actually studied under Daniel. And so they were prepared um, prophetically because they had been handed down through their leadership from Daniel. They were prepared for the coming of the Messiah. And so they knew when they reached this, this child, this Savior child, that he was going to be 
the one who was born essentially to be the sacrifice and to die. And so they brought frankincense, which is a sacrificial um, spices that were used in the temple for sacrifice. And they also brought myrrh, which was a burial ointment. Mm-hmm. And so um, anyway, we try to really talk about those three gifts. And so then we have told them, I mean, as long as they can remember that, you get to choose, um, you get to make a list of five gifts. And the three that are the most important to you, you can have two from mom and dad, and then Santa Claus will bring you one. And then all the other gifts, um, we're going to be handed, you know, we're going to give out to people who ask. Oh, wow. Yeah, and what's really cool about it, what has happened is that they never have anything left over. They always get all the things on their list that they really want, but I'm not left trying to come up with a bunch of stuff that they don't want and they don't need, you know, just to fill spots for people because I've got this small list. And so it's it's really, really been neat to watch. And they, you know, they don't miss it. They don't know any different. They don't miss it. They don't think it's weird. Um... It, they they walk down and they're excited for their three gifts and, and it's a blessing and they love it. Now, do you so, do you explain this uh, more often because your children are nine and under? So, do you f- ever have to go through and and kind of explain the three gifts to them? I, we do it every year. Every year, we do it every year. We explain it every year. Yes, because we want them to know why right. we made that decision and that and that. And one of the discussions that we also have, especially with my oldest, who's starting to see more around her in the past couple of years, is that, you know, our family looks different than other families, and not every family does this. Um, there are some families, Christian and not, who, who do a lot of gifts, and, and that's right for them, but it's a helping, um, it helps me to use this as an example that there are going to be times that because of what we believe our family is going to look a little bit different. And we have to appreciate the blessings that we have and why we're living this way um, as as our family's decision. So there's lessons all over the place with this story. Exactly. Well, I love that. The only thing that I could see, and I'm giggling as I'm thinking about this, is my boys are older, and they're they're smart little whippersnappers. And they would be going, yeah, but mom, one of his was gold. (laughs) (laughs) And then they would go, we're just teasing, we're just teasing, we get it, we get it. But they would like to throw in that, but there's gold. Well, gold totally should count, right? Exactly. I'm waiting for the day when it's been said, well, why can't I have gold on Tuesday? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So they would get like some gold Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that to my husband. (laughs) There you go, there you go. Hey, gold can come in gold jewelry, gold rings, you know, hey. Yes, exactly, exactly. He's going to say you're no longer allowed to talk to Cynthia. That is so funny. That is so funny. Okay, so the three gift rules, is that kind of the only things that you uh, kind of focus on or have your favorite? No, no. You know, Christmas has just become, I think because, I struggled so much with it. You know, I came from such a place of um, legalism and performance-based value, I guess, growing up throughout my life. You know, my dad was a, for many years, in the Southern Baptist Church, and 
continue to gear towards a little bit of legalism. And I just really grew up wanting to be a woman to make everybody happy. And in order to earn, you know, those approvals and that love, I had to be really good. And so I ended up growing as a, what I call now, a recovering um, legalist. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So time to get the whole grace thing, um, a long time. And when I did, it was like this weight was completely lifted off of me. And so and from that, that was the point where I decided, you know what, I'm going to give everything in my life, every part of my life to this, to this grace. I, everybody needs to know about this. My family needs to live in this. This is what it's all about. And so... Um, as I kind of had grown in appreciation of this grace and just relished what Christ has done for me, I just love every single holiday that has anything to do with bringing attention to that. And so Christmas and has really become one of my very favorite holidays. I just, I love it so much. And so we try to make it very um, family-centered and Christ-centered and still have the fun that goes with the quote-unquote magic of, you know, going to Santa, going to see him, writing the letters and all that stuff without letting it overshadow what Christ is about. So one really neat thing, um, and I'm especially excited about it this year, and I'll tell you why um, in just a moment, but one of the really cool traditions that my husband and I have started um, over the past probably six years is that on Christmas Eve, we always do our, you know, our preparations for, we do our reindeer food, and we make cupcakes, and, you know, our, we sit our cookies out, and um, the kids get to do their Christmas gift exchange with each other, so they'll buy each other gifts, and they exchange their gift on Christmas Eve, and then once they go to bed, my husband and I take communion together mm-hmm. every Christmas Eve, and I'm super excited because my son and my daughter gave their lives to Christ this year. And so for the first time, I'm going to get teary out talking about this, but for the first time, they're going to get to do Christmas communion with my husband and I. And so I'm especially excited about that tradition this year and um, bringing them in on it and, and teaching them and watching them and just really using that as another way of worshiping, you know, the arrival of Christ, uh, our Savior. Um, and so that's another really fun thing that we do. That is so interesting. I love that. Just to to let them see that it's not just about the Christmas tree or the presents under it or even the parties, but the main, what a birthday party for Jesus. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And in that, in that light, the fun side is I mean, we get to get up and bake cupcakes for breakfast every Christmas. And so that's going to be, and we sing happy birthday. So if, if, if you were to ask, especially my daughter, any, whatever favorite thing about Christmas, she would say presents and cupcakes. Oh, I love it. And she probably won't remember anything else, but. Hey, not everyone gets a a cupcake for breakfast, so that's that's memorable right there. Right. (laughs) Yeah, we always made a birthday cake for Jesus, you know, when my boys were little, and they they talked about that for all, you know, for a long time, that that's something Mm -hmm. they enjoyed doing. That's awesome. It's pretty fun. It you is. Have to make it fun too, right? Exactly. You do. You have to make it fun. You have to make them. Uh, gosh, if we were just drugging along, oh, it's Christmas. You can't have fun right. with it. You know, 
There is some fun. Jesus called the children to him, and he, I, I, I firmly believe he had fun with them. He played games and all I that. I believe it, too. <laughs> I believe it, too. I tell my children all the time um, that, you know, what's so precious about Jesus is that he had a very special place in his heart for children, and um, that he just is so crazy about them because he just loves kids so, so much. And so that's why he gets to share that's why he wants to share, you know, his birthday with us, with these precious children. And I'm sure he delights in the look on their face every Christmas morning just as much as we do. Exactly. So. You're exactly right. So what are some um, things that you're going to do this year? Is there anything new you're implementing besides the um, communion with the kids or is there something that maybe you're steering away from? <laughs> well, one thing, and you're going to get me on a dangerous topic here, but um, <laughs> one thing that we steer away from regularly is we are an anti-naughtyless family. And um, I have to be really careful when I talk about this because I don't want anybody to feel... Um, I don't ever want to make people feel, you know, like I'm right or they're wrong or... You know, everybody has their own traditions, and you have to do that for your family. It's a decision that every family has to make. Just like with Santa and all the, that stuff, it's a, it's a family decision. But our decision, um, going in, in step with this grace discovery and really, truly relishing the grace of Jesus Christ and the freedom that he's given me personally, as he's allowed me to experience that and I, I cannot talk about it enough, the freedom that comes with this gift. It's free. It's a free gift that he has given. Um, I, I just I love it so much. I don't want anything to take away from that. And so um, I really have struggled in the past. It just didn't, the Nautilus just didn't sit well with me. And so we never really did it. We never really talked about it. It's not really been in our vocabulary. And then the Elf on the Shelf comes out. And... You know, every Christmas song is about the naughty list. You know, every Christmas movie has the naughty list in it. It's just got Santa in it. Right. And exactly. all of a sudden, you know, the elf comes out. And to each their own, you know, yay for imagination. But I was really frustrated that now an elf is coming into these people's houses <laughs> and spying on their kids and then tunneling on them. And I just, it bothered me so bad. And I couldn't figure out why. I was just like, why? And I remember talking to my husband, like, why does this elf bother me? What is it? What is it that bothers me so much? And of course, my daughter is like, I need an elf. And my son could care less, but Ella. He's just in love with this elf. And um, and so one of the stories that I read um, not too terribly long ago, um, several years ago, that has just become my, my motto story, if you can call it that, is the story of Simon and the simple and the simple woman in Luke 7. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, it, it's just beautiful. It's just one of the most beautiful stories I've ever read, and I see myself so much in this woman who comes to, to a, a home as a Pharisee where Jesus is sitting and having a meal, 
and she walks in and she sees the Savior. And of course, you know, she hears him speaking and and she sees her sin and her need for forgiveness in the presence of the one who can forgive her. And the only response she can have is just to fall at his feet in worship and wet his feet with her perfume and anoint him with oils and weep on his feet and clean his feet. And the response of the man, Simon, who owns his house is, how can this so-called prophet let this sinner touch him? Right. And the contrast between this man, this Pharisee, who sees himself as pure and righteous without Jesus, without need of him, contrasted with this sinful woman who knows her sin and sees this grace handed out to her and her response of love and faith in him is just so beautiful. And, you know, what Jesus says is, you know, the one whose careful debt is the greatest is the one who loves for that debt. Mm. And for me, I just know my debt. I mean, that's the bottom line. I know my debt. And so I am so grateful for the gift that Christ has given me of his grace in the face of a huge debt that I owe him. How dare I attach stipulations to that, even if it's in the form of a Christmas gift? And so um, for a long time now, you know, we've just made it very clear to our children that we don't earn the gift. We don't earn any gift related to Jesus. We didn't earn his forgiveness. We didn't earn his birth and arrival. He gave that freely. And we don't earn the celebratory gift on his birthday. We just don't. Your behavior is irrelevant in the face of a gracious and merciful Jesus. He, he came while we were sinners, not once we got our act together and we're good. Exactly. And so I just feel like it's in the gift giving, that's what this message is about. That's what the gifts of Christmas are about is you get this because of what Jesus did, not because of what you're doing. I love that. So. All it's doing is you've woven the, the whole time that we've been talking the word grace in, and that's exactly what it's talking about. And it made me think about, um, you know, talking in the Bible where it talks about the good father. You know, would a, would a father give, yeah. give this to his child, give eggs and, you know, a snake or whatever? I can't do it verbatim. Yeah. But, you know, would he give bad gifts? No, he gives the good gifts. And how much more the, the, the father gives of the good gifts? And those times when we are bad and we're sinful and we have all that and we ask for forgiveness, it's thrown as far as Jesus from the West. Yeah, that that's so right. True. Yes. And, and, you know, a lot of times um, it, 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 is, it is good, obviously, to recognize sin and to repent. But what I've learned is that Poor behavior, it, it, you don't, you don't receive, you don't develop an attitude of forgiveness if, for poor behavior or an attitude of repentance for poor, beha- for poor behavior by emphasizing the behavior. Mm. What brings repentance is putting it in the presence of grace. Because when you see the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, you can't help it's hard not to bow at his feet exactly. and knowing, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner. Oh my gosh. And he is a savior. It's so much more about him than it is about us. Um, and I feel like it's a dangerous precedent that we set when we center on the gift and we center on the behavior 
that we shift the focus from Christ and his mercy and his grace and the beauty of his arrival and everything that means to us. I agree. You know, I think that's a part of Satan's little ploy, that if he can get our view and our mindset off of the true meaning of Christmas, the true yeah. meaning and the reason for his birth, then then he succeeded because he's got Absolutely. everyone wrapped up in all of that and they can't accept grace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything about, I mean, it's, it's crazy how everything about the joy of Christmas, Satan has snuck into every little part of it mm-hmm. to steal a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. In our lives. That's exactly um, right. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, taking away from Jesus with commercialism or with focusing on, you know, Santa Claus, who is, in, in the concept of Santa is good, do not get me wrong. Um, and like I said, he comes to our house. But um, I feel like a lot of what Satan does is to put it on to create more pressure and more. Um, frustration and discontentment and things like that, which are the complete opposite of what Christmas is supposed to be about. Exactly. And mm-hmm, yeah. Yes. So my, my main goal and, and the goal of Matt, my husband, our whole, like everything we do centering around Christmas from the day our kids get out of school until the day they go back for Christmas after Christmas break, it's just to create as much joy in our home as we possibly can. Mm. So I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, Carissa, we are almost out of time. So I want to give you just a few minutes to speak to our guests. Maybe, you know, they haven't um, really looked at it as grace in the Christmas season, Mm. or maybe they are, they, they are just overwhelmed with the the stress of life, the things that commercialism and everything, all the pressures that everything has put on us, that they we think we have to have the perfect Christmas. Yes. Let me give you just a few minutes just to speak to them, to give some words of encouragement. Well, I'll tell you, Cynthia, um, since you're going to do this, give me a little bit of time, I would actually just love to take a minute and just pray for those it. who are listening. Um, and just just pray just over them, each one of them, as they're going into this season. Dear Heavenly Father, I just worship you. Um, I thank you that I get the rare opportunity because of being a student of your word that I just get to dive deeply into the pool of what is your revelation to man. And I love it. And I'm so grateful for it that everybody doesn't always have the time or the option to do that. And so, Lord, I just come to you right now, and I thank you for your gift. I thank you for the gift of this precious child who brought such amazing news by being born to die, being born to live a life of perfect sacrifice so that we can be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. But not that's not where it ends. That's not where the story ends. He's not still the baby in the manger, and he's not still the sacrifice on the cross. But Jesus, you are alive on the throne in heaven, and you are watching us. You are watching us as we sing happy birthday to you, and you're smiling as each one of our children open up those gifts that you, that represent the, the precious gift of Christ that you are given as our ultimate gift. 
And Lord, I just thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to worship you through those, that day and to celebrate with you because you are one to be celebrated. Without you, where would I be? Where would we be? So, Jesus, I just want to ask in this moment that you would give joy and peace over the suffering around us, that, that the ones who are facing this holiday with lost loved ones, who are in broken homes, who are going through struggle, who are going through illness, who are going through times of suffering, God, you never, ever, ever allow us to go through that alone. And it is because of the arrival and the life and the death of Jesus Christ that we don't have to do that alone. That in itself is great joy. So, Lord, I ask that you would have an extra revelation of your presence in each family that's listening today, that, that you would just give an extra dose of grace, an extra dose of your peace that you brought to earth, and an extra dose of your wonderful, wonderful Holy Spirit, that they would sit together as a family and feel that presence of joy. In your name, Jesus, we worship you, and we thank you for your sacrifice. Amen. Oh, amen. That is wonderful. Well, Carissa, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I love just the way our conversation went and how we were, um, you know, just talked about the fun things of family and brought it all to where we glorified God through it. So thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. Merry Christmas, Cynthia. Merry Christmas to you. And for those of you listening, I want to thank you also for joining us today on My Journey of Faith. I encourage you to look for us on Facebook at My Journey of Faith Radio or visit our website, MyJourneyOfFaith.com, and there you can find links to the to the radio show, the magazine, devotionals. We have devotionals that go out every day. Um, just plug into our ministry and see what's happening, and there are some really great things that are happening coming up in the spring, and we'll talk about yes, that yes, later. Yes. So until next week, be blessed and remember to share your own personal journey of faith with those in your sphere of influence and enjoy the reason for this season. Until next week, Merry Christmas. Bye-bye.